What 100 million represents is if I can get to 100 million in 10 years, that means we're going to be a scalable and sustainable company and I'm going to be able to attract top talent. I'm going to be able to attract people who are going to be able to take things off my plate and there's going to be people that I'm going to be able to help with their own dreams and visions, whether it's cars or houses or retirements or paying for their kids schooling or whatever that looks like for for the employees. And so having my vision big enough to help other people's is part of it. And it's been a real big focus of mine. Welcome to episode 144 of the AT Construction Podcast. And today we have Sonny Panero. And Sonny and I connected a few years ago, as you're here, through Clubhouse. I mean, we've known each other through social media, but I was so excited to get him on. Sonny is someone, when you talk about company culture systems, what does success mean? How does that laid out? And how do you play the long game, especially running a business as an entrepreneur? From either going gangbusters in the beginning or thinking of the long game, how that creates a lifestyle, a balance in your life, whatever that balance means. Sonny had some amazing information speaking about culture, hiring, uh, empowerment, you know, and especially the ability to get away from your business at times. And he has just such a good grasp on business, on running an organization, running a company, training people. Without further ado, let's get started. This past May, we had an amazing Contractor Coalition Summit. This was in Nashville with Nick Schiffer from Menace Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style out of Minnesota. And we are now up for our second round of the Contractor Coalition Summit that'll be in Huntington Beach from Sunday, November 6th through Wednesday, November 9th. Go to ContractorCoalitionSummit.com, sign up, register. We have some amazing partners that'll be there sponsoring the event, amazing attendees that have already signed up. It's limited seating. We're only allowing 30 to attend. And again, this will be all things pricing, profitability, contracting, client expectations, scheduling, and of course, marketing and social media. Everything that we wish we knew in our business from the very beginning is all going to be wrapped up into just a couple of days. So we'll see you there in Huntington Beach in November. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast, and we have Mr. Sonny Panera with us. Welcome, Sonny. How's it going, Brad? Appreciate yeah, you having so, me on. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on. Sonny's Mr. CEO of Panera Construction uh, back in California, all his topping grounds and uh, truth be told, we've known each other through social media for a while, but especially Clubhouse. I mean, and you were just saying before we came live on air that those memories were coming up and it was two years ago that we were both like incredibly active on that platform. Yeah, it was a, it was like a weird time. It's almost like we had too much time on our hands and <laughs> and like everyone just wanted to chat and talk to each other and people were cooped up. And so you you had these like this huge amount of people that were on this platform chatting and and. Don't get me wrong. I actually kind of like the the platform and how you can get on and chat for a while and, and do it with people. I actually think it would be a good way to do like some podcasts and stuff, sort of do it live with an audience. But, yeah. you know, it's hard to hard to schedule, you know, to have 30 or 40 people in some of our rooms, like with with you in it and um, Brian and a couple other people we had you know, a couple hundred people in some of those rooms some nights. And, and you know, I don't know if you can recreate that nowadays that everyone, almost everything's back to normal. I, I know it's hard. I think a lot of people have more time with COVID and, and to your point with Clubhouse, I always thought about, and you and I spoke on, offline about this, like how do we kind of not, not capitalize, but how do we build momentum off of this and, and utilize this for the industry, you know, bring it up. And because we had great discussions, I loved it. It was, you know, but it seems hard now with as busy as everyone is and it's not just being busy, but you, you know, the one disadvantage of recording the podcast, like we are now, Sonny, it's you and I were engaged, you know, engaged, but we don't have like live listeners saying, okay, Sonny, well, what about this, you know, live in the moment, but, uh, may, we, we may have to build on that in the future. I, uh, you know, I'm still looking at trying to do the construction pros podcast and it's just yeah. something where we're interviewing other contractors and stuff. And it would be cool to kind of do a 30 minute, like talking and then get some people actively involved, asking some questions and be able to record it. I just don't want the, I don't know what the nuances are of, you know, legally be able to, to, to put that out there and, you know, post it and record off of clubhouse. So. Yeah, I prefer not to give any legal advice as I don't have much. So <laughs> I'll stay away from that aspect. But, you know, the reason I want to bring you on, Sonny, so I mean, I anytime you held those discussions on Clubhouse, you did a phenomenal job moderating, great job speaking. Appreciate and you that. just have so much amazing content. And I've, I've loved following you and just learning from you, especially over the last few years. Um, and your story is pretty unique. I know you, like most of us, coming from the Southwest and those warm climates back in the recession were hit pretty hard. And you know, what did that look like for you, you know, having to start over after, you know, the crash of 2008? Dude, it was brutal. I was pretty young at the time. So, you know, I don't you're know. You're young now. That's why I'm like, <laughs> like, what do you start I your got, business when I you're 11? I lost all my 11? hair. You, you still got good hair, man. Come on. Yeah. 
no, I just turned 43, so I, I guess I'm I'm still young, but I feel like I'm starting to get to the age where there's actually some younger people on job sites and you know <laughs> subs that we're we're working with. And but no, it was brutal. I mean, I started my first company at 25, and you know, going through the recession, I had no idea it was going to happen. And the type of work that I was doing, you know, we were building restaurants, retail spaces, things like that. So businesses stopped. And so, to, well, if I cut you off real quick, so at 25, you're already general contractor doing restaurants, doing TIs, businesses. And I would imagine that, especially at that time, I mean, having not gone through recession, I mean, you're, you're young, like many of us, you're thinking, Hey, everything's green. I'm hiring. I'm getting contracts. Like, let's go. Right. And, and then bam, I, I had licenses from Arizona to Alaska, California to Colorado. And we were, uh, you know, I had guys that were probably all my age or younger with us, a lot of friends, a lot of other dudes. And yeah, we were just living life and we had dirt bikes in our work trucks and we'd pull boats behind us. So we'd go, you know, to the lake after the jobs. And it was just, it was a good time for sure. But yeah, like part of what my success now is, is that I am playing the long game now. And you just like in the stock market, right? So you put money in and it takes so it takes a long time for it to start kicking in. But once that compound interest starts happening, your returns just sort of like skyrocket. And so, you know, not to like jump too far forward, but I didn't do that originally. I just spent the money. I was just, you know, uh, making some good money, spending it on toys and trucks and hiring employees and not saving and not investing in like my board of directors or my business advisors, you know, the, I didn't have an attorney or a CPA or anything at that time, you know? And so those were, but what all does that mean when you, th this is really interesting to me if I cut you off Sunday's because when you say I'm playing the long game, just like in the stock market, 401k, we understand that, you know, as that builds, it goes, what, what does that mean in relation to building, right? And to building a company, building systems. Um, when you say you're not, you know, just trying to be, quick and go get it. Like in 2008, how has that changed just mentally or direction or what you're doing now? Well, the, the kind of the way I explain it is, is, you know, within construction, it's, it's natural to, to like move up the ranks fairly quickly. You're a, you know, labor, your apprentice, your journeyman, then you become like a master electrician or a master carpenter. And then sort of the next project, unless you're working for a larger company, then the next step for you is kind of like small business ownership. And you can kind of get that raise and you make quite a bit of money doing that, but then you can kind of become business poor because then you go out and buy the, the big house, the toys, you got, you know, all these things you're paying for. And then you almost, I call it business poor. And so that was what that picture looked like was I had a, you know, employees, I had the nice lifted truck, all that sort of stuff at that time. And I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any investment capital. I didn't have the type of employees I needed. And so kind of fast forwarding to what I call like, reinvesting in my company now is, you know, I paid myself a lot less initially. I didn't take on any debt. We did things very smart. And so every chance I got, I would reinvest in the company by, by adding skill sets and people to the company. Cause it's all based on production. If we're going to grow as a company, if we want to make more money, we have to produce more. And so I saved instead of spending money on myself, which I could have paid myself more initially is I, paid myself less for the first three or four years, a lot less than I could have. But because I did that, I was able to bring on a team. I was able to bring on, you know, business development and sales and marketing. And then now we got to the point, instead of doing uh, two or $3 million a year, paying myself really well, but not having the growth and not having a team and being, you know, a slave to sort of the business, you know, I've built that team. I've invested in these different parts of the business. And, and so now, you know, I, I don't necessarily, it's not necessarily like bragging, but we have a very smooth operation and what we're producing now is a lot easier than if we hadn't invested in all those things over the time. So I kind of call it compounding, you know, kind of compounding investment in your business. But really the point you made there, that's really interesting, Sonny, is you said, you know, I'm not consumed by the business, right? And, and, and there's that offset and I've, I've spoken to a lot of guests about this that, you know, that, Oftentimes you hear this word success, right? What does that mean? Well, to everyone, it means something different. But really, when, as you speak about lifestyle, like you are now, son, I mean, yeah, you may not be as high on the hog of buying every latest, greatest toy or like paying yourself this huge income, but but by investing in people who just a couple weeks ago had Zach Detmore, and he's like, if someone could do 
60% of your capability should be delegated, right? And, you know, so for you to like train and get systems is there's this peace of mind. It's not that you don't have issues like we all do right now or supply chain or challenges, but the reality is if you're at a point in your business where the growth is slower because it's more conservative. You're investing in your people and your systems and your protocol, which now I would imagine gives you a little bit more free time possibly. I know you're engaged with your family, extracurricular. And so there's this balance that may be a lot healthier, even though the bottom line could be different if you were to approach it maybe a different way. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to explain because, you know, we're, we're entrepreneurs, you're a business owner. I am, you know, we, we have drives, we have a drive and a motor that's, that's probably a little bit more aggressive than most people, um, you know, even our own employees and stuff. And so we're going to end up being workaholics. This is like our sports team. Like we're not basketball players or baseball players. We're like the 10% at the top of the business. Right. And so, um, we put a lot of time into that, but as I've, and that's what it was like, you know, pulling all nighters, you know, working late, all that stuff on projects back in, you know, the early two thousands, but it, the, my whole purpose for, for building Panero construction was to prove that it can be done differently. And, and it doesn't really matter what size company you want to build. If you put the things in place, your team in place, you can build any size company to, to operate and you manage the company, the company doesn't manage you. And so I think it's a huge, that is where most business owners need to get to. They need to get to a point where they're not consumed by the business. The business isn't, you know, running their life. This is something that that you are managing. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to to not get too many calls on the weekends. I, you know, during the week, it's it's very smooth. Um, I, people are huge. So my my biggest thing now is people. It's it's customers and it's employees. If if any business doesn't matter what you're doing, if you focus on those two things from the start. Like that's the key to, that's the key to it all. And it took me probably 17, 18 years to get to that where like I started really locking into that. And even now I'm not the best when it comes to that, because I used to think I had to do everything. I used to think like I had to take everything on. And, you know, I came to the realization that the older I got or the older I'm getting that like, I can only do so much. I only have so much time. I have to be there for my family and I have to be there for friends and I have to be there for um, doing my hobbies and, and other things, you know, having other outlets in life, um, you know, but by putting the business first and investing in it versus, you know, taking the money and spending it at the time when I could have, you know, it's, it's, it's he made, paid huge dividends in our company within the six or seven years we've been in operating right now. So do you feel that that lesson learned when you're talking about investing in people, whether it's your clients or employees, and just the mentality that let's take a step back and let's focus on the systems because I'm looking at lifestyle here. Was this something that was an immediate lesson, just how you're running your business in your early 20s in 2008? Or is this something that you realized in the last couple of years after restarting, you know, after the recession? Well... You know, I kind of touched on it a minute ago is it's we have that hustle and grind, that sort of attitude that you have out there and people kind of get motivated behind it. Um, and, you know, I I don't know when it sort of happened, but I, I it, it's only been the last couple of years and I don't know if it's been something that's a maturity level. I don't know if it's just something that kind of came to me, but, um, you know, it first clicked to me when I heard it the first time. There was a HVAC company in Florida, and I don't remember the name offhand. I just kind of remember the story and the, the function of the story. They were a service-based business. They're having a hard time hiring employees, and I've always been I've always been good at hiring, and I've always been a proponent of hiring employees. So it kind of this story kind of caught my attention, and in what the story was about was is they were going out and recruiting servers people that worked as bartenders or servers that were, you know, maybe 30, 35 years old that were still making good money, but they had really great customer service. They walked fast back and forth. They're not used to taking breaks. They're used to hustling for tips. And they basically created a university or training program within their company. And that's how they built like a $75 million company by doing this. And so, you know, I guess where I'm going is, um, Train like employees are key to your business. Like I, I learned pretty quickly and maybe it's, 
maybe it's the size of the company. Okay. So I could manage and do a lot up to like the three to $6 million mark. But once we got past that, I have to solely depend on employees for projects, for customer service, for sales. And maybe that's sort of the tie there is like, I realized that the business is bigger than I am. And now I'm just steering the ship and leading, providing the vision. And, um, you know, companies, if, if, I, if, if someone's watching this and they want to grow their company, I personally want to get to $100 million. I don't know if you have a vision or goal there. It's not, it's not, I use 100 million because it sounds kind of cool. You it's know, 100 it's million. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it sounds like, wow, okay, 100 million, right? But it's not about that. What 100 million represents is if I can get to 100 million in 10 years, that means we're going to be a scalable and sustainable company. And I'm going to be able to attract top talent. I'm going to be able to attract people who are going to be able to take things off my plate. And there's going to be people that I'm going to be able to help with their own dreams and visions whether it's cars or houses or retirements or paying for their kids schooling or whatever that looks like for, for the employees. And so having my vision big enough to help other people's is part of it. And it's been a real big focus of mine. So, you know, going back, I, I, I think it has to do with two things is one, I no longer could do everything. And I realized that I was probably the bottleneck and holding things back. And so, you know, it's, it's really all about people. I mean, that's the, the biggest thing. And so if you're a small business right now, a small trade company is as hard as you market to customers for your bathroom remodels or your, your plumbing service, you should be doing the same sort of thing with um, trying to attract employees and, and potential candidates for your own business. It's amazing. I mean, you have this unique, uncanny ability, right? To communicate that culture and just the personality sending out. I'll give you credit there because just hearing you speak about that, that, Hey, even something as simple as I want to get to a hundred million and it's not a, it's not a status symbol. It's not a wealth symbol. It's more like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's something I want to achieve, but, but the reason I want to do that is because now I have great people and it shows that I built systems, I built company culture and that they have great lifestyles, whether it be vehicles or houses or that, you know, they're creating their family, right? Whatever that means to them or, or their opportunity, you know, in this world. And, but going back to that, what's fascinating about the example you gave about the HVAC company is, you think, you know, this is something that I've looked at as one well I completely agree with is the strategy of the, the mechanical companies you mentioned was, okay, we, we, they may not have the field experience to understand the technical side of mechanical, but they get the customer savvy side. They get the hustle. They get the hard work, you know, the, the customer service, and you can't replicate that. Mm-hmm. And, and when people hire so many times, and when I hire, I don't, always look at experience where you've been. Now, there's no doubt some of the stuff we do is more complicated, so we have to be careful there. But at the same time, if I can bring on people that communicate, they smile, they, they fit the brand that's trying to be different in the construction industry, well, we can train them, we put systems in place, and now you're creating this culture of people. And, and, and that's the energy. Really, that's what, what you're portraying here, Sonny, is that if you, if you create that culture and the people come in, now you train them. And then now you, when you get both, when you get the great customer service, the hardworking people, and then they're they're savvy in the industry. Now it's like, get, you know, hundred million. Here we come. It's as, it's as important as getting the job. Like is as important as you selling a job and, but, and selling a house and get a new customer. It's getting that employee on the back end. You have to have the two and you got to keep them sort of at the same level as you, as you grow. But it's, um, you're right. Like you just explained it like perfectly. There's some things that you can't, you can't train. You can't train honesty. You can't train attitude. You can't train, you know, those types of things into people. You can, you can coach a little bit and you can motivate a little bit to, to swing that, that pendulum a little bit, you know, and, and as a leader of our companies, we have to do that to begin with, um, you know, but I've been a big proponent. There's a lot of people within my company and my office that I brought in from outside the industry and it's, it's paid dividends. Like right now I'll look at, I'll look at superintendents who are contractors who are retired. I'll look at women. I would, I, if I had women applying to our jobs as superintendents and stuff, I look all day long because I think it's an untapped market within, within the construction industry, you know? Um, so there's a lot of different areas that I'm trying to find people outside the industry, or at least people who are outside of construction. It's, it's definitely like a little bit of that learning curve that you have to kind of get over, you know, cause like you said, some of our stuff is pretty complex. So you want that. Um, but certainly if you can, 
if you hire on the the first two items, honesty and attitude, you know, things like that, then um, you're much better off than hiring someone that is just skilled. It, it's funny you say that because, you know, I think about, you know, for me, I've always tried to been big on, you know, in the construction industry, it's so often that this is how we do things. This I've been taught this how you do it, right? And, and you know, you and I are pretty close in age, you know, we're fairly younger. And so I'm 41 myself. And so you think about, well, we, we come in where we're like challenging stuff and looking at, you know, different methods and methodologies and, you know, systems and how can we implement this? But what I found is I bring in people from other industries, right? They'll challenge me and I'm like, well, you know, this is construction. It doesn't really work that way, but I'm a whole lot like, what's <laughs> happening here? It's like, no, Brad, I've, I've done this. You know, other companies are successful. Like we can do this. And it's like, that's actually really smart. And either, you know, sometimes we're, we, we resist things. I don't know why, but, but the, but as you mentioned, diversity of, of people, right? Diversity of male, female, diversity of like other industries. I mean, there's so much value that we need in construction to just bring a, you know, a different uh, approach, right? To our business. And, and it just helps not only from the construction industry, but also, as you mentioned, running our business. I think it's huge. Um, you know, like I follow all the stuff you do. I mean, I think like the houses and, and projects that you guys are building is, is freaking awesome. Like the net zero type stuff, like those are all things that are, that might be going on in the industry, but they're leading edge. They truly are. Even after, you know, as long as some of the stuff's been around, solar's been around for 80 years, but even then it, it's only gone really popular in the last, what, four or five years where it's just right. like gone out of control. Um, and so there's a lot of technology, like our industry's old school and there's a certain part of it that always will be. And then there's, you know, the new aspect to it. So I think it's awesome that, you know, I think there needs to be a certain level of, of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, progressivism or something within your own company. I don't know how to, I don't I wouldn't know how to yeah, explain progressivism. it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, evolution. Being willing, yeah. Being willing to like take on some ideas and, and they may not like make a huge difference or maybe they fail, but I'll tell you what, there is, there's nothing that I could say in my company that I ever tried that like ruined us. Like there's, there's nothing. Across the board, there was nothing that was like major that we tried that set us back so far that we couldn't overcome fairly easily and we didn't learn something from. And so, you know, you know, after I closed down my first company, I went to work for a couple other contractors and it's the owners that always get in the way of their own success. And, you know, we're sitting here, we're kind of chatting about, we can probably go on for a long time about all the different stuff we've tried. But that just kind of shows like, hey, we're where we're at because we're open to these things. And and that goes back to the employees. You're bringing in people who know stuff that you don't, you know? So it's, um, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. So I want to get back to this, this on the journey here. But, but what's really important, what I'm still trying to gather in my head is how in the world are you 25 years old, running this company, hiring, building restaurants in different states like it, – you know, that acceleration or the courage to be like life as an entrepreneur is really difficult. We speak about that, that your highs and lows, it changes every five minutes. It's, it's a really tough, you know, it, your moods change. It affects family. It affects work. I mean, there's just so many things going on. Entrepreneurs so at a young age, what made you say, I'm ready to start my company. And then bam, what, what did you do to start getting these contracts? You know, this is before social media. So how are you getting work? How are people saying this little 20 year old kid? I don't know if I'm going to trust you, you know, building out my restaurant. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that my is my superpower, and I'm tr actually trying to coach my own employees on this, is that it didn't matter whether it was my own company or if I was an employee somewhere else. I acted like I was the owner. I acted like there was not anyone above me and not not like I acted like the boss, but it was like, hey, I'm here to run things for you. I'm here to manage this project. And so um, and, and maybe it comes into play that, you know, both my my parents were business owners or small contractors, you know, growing up and I kind of got experience in that. Um, it wasn't something that was like talked about, you know, it wasn't talked about business and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. When I was a kid, it was just, my dad was a drywall contractor and turned into a GC eventually. And, uh, my mom did the books and, and, you know, I guess I was just exposed to some of that. And so maybe I had a little bit of a confidence and, and experience or knowledge, um, level in that. So I was exposed to things probably that I didn't realize were, sort of instrumental to, to me being able to grow and sort of take that step. Um, but I've never really had an issue with like walking into a room, um, 
and talking about what I know, you know, and selling and, and, um, you know, I started my construction journey at 21. And so I was, you know, running projects at 21 and I had to deal with like, you know, 50 year old plumbers and electricians and guys that have been doing a long time. So it wasn't, I kind of learned early that you, you lead by asking and, and, and getting buy-in versus like demanding how to do it. And so, um, those are just some of the things I guess that kind of stepped in. And part of it is I didn't know any better. I just was doing it, you know, <laughs> but and I love that you said like, lead, but you said lead by asking. I, th- I think that's something that's really lost and it doesn't matter if you're a designer, architect, builder, so many times, uh, we may feel ashamed or incompetent, or maybe we shouldn't be in charge if we don't know the answer, but why not ask? Like, if we don't know, ask, like I tell my employees, just ask if I'm telling you to do something or you don't understand the terminology, just ask. I've, I'll take more of you than less of you, right? If you're asking and our trades, I've found that when I've taken that approach, instead of being more of a, let's call it a supervisor or, or being more demanding, if I'm, if I'm understanding what makes them tick, what, what are the challenges with their day to day, you know, coming out performing, how can I have the job site more tidy or clean, you know, or more organized so that they can be effective, you know, asking these questions, and understanding them, then they know you care, you know, learning their name is a big thing. I mean, I tell all my Superintendents learn the names of everyone on the job site. I mean, from a labor all the way up because they'll respect you more, you know, when you care. People, when they know you care, they'll actually do a better job, you know. And I probably didn't do as good of a job as I should at a younger age when I was doing that. You know, I was kind of just, you know, trying to lead as I, I could. But that's a good example of like today. Like I was out on a job site today meeting with a client, but there's a couple younger electricians that were working. His dad's there and he's one of the younger guys and they always come by and give me a fist bump. And, and, you know, they, it, it wasn't much, but it's like, it's something to them, you know? And so getting their buy-in and talking with them or giving them a hard time about, you know, wearing their Jordans instead of their work boots or something like that, you know, <laughs> like little things like that, just, you know, whatever it is, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, getting the buy-in is huge. And as a general contractor, and I believe that you guys kind of operate the same way, we we sub a lot of our stuff out. So we're solely dependent on the abilities of our subcontractors and their employees out there. And so, you know, we want to promote that that work ethic. And so I, I learned very quickly that I was not going to get anywhere being the boss's son. And, you know, when I started out as 21, trying to tell people what to do. And yeah. and now at 43 and and actually being the boss, you know, or the, the CEO, like, I know that it's, I'm still, I'm still leading what I need to. And then, you know, pushing and, and asking, you know, and almost everything else. So, so business wise, how does it, you know, based on the project scope, I would imagine that, you know, now with the success and name and branding, you're probably doing projects that are a little bit, you know, maybe bigger, more complex, more expensive, but, but scope of work. I mean, is it, is it similar to the scope of work? I mean, you know, how does the business differ from what you did in 2008 to now? So like 2008, we were doing 1500 square foot restaurants, you know, things like Subway sandwich shops, uh, you know, Quiznos. We did some pizza places, some Taco to Mars. Those are like your small quick service restaurants. Now what we're doing is we're doing like 30,000 square foot food halls with 27 restaurants, a brewery, wow. a bar, things like that inside, um, you know, projects that used to be, $100,000, then we're doing projects that range from five to $8 million. And so like we're doing a, a project right now that's 40,000 square feet. It's got six restaurants in it, has an athletic office. It's for a private college here in Southern California. And so um, they're certainly challenging. I mean, like growing and, and taking on those bigger, bigger houses, it's or bigger, bigger projects. Um, you know, has, has always created a little bit level of extra stress that we probably didn't need, but we've been taking it on because it's exciting and it's going to help us with our growth goals. So let me ask you this, because my concern, and we, you know, we we're a hybrid. I mean, I'm, I never did commercial at the scale you are. I mean, we've done some, I should say a couple of big projects and we've done, you know, but it's been a few years and part of my reluctance, you know, for a commercial, especially right now, and especially since COVID is the supply chain is tough. I mean, in commercial world, there are litigated damages and, and there has to be. The reality is, is you're building out for the college or a restaurant. If they're not open, they're not making money and they're just spending. And so how do you manage just the risk of the commercial world, especially right now? So it's challenging because all of our clients in the commercial construction industry, they're paying rent 
at some point in time. You know, unless they own the property. And part of the TI cost, most likely. At least well, a portion. And yeah, they're paying the TI cost. They're paying for everything, right? Yeah. But my point is is that there's there's a deadline that they then continue to keep paying and paying and paying. It's not like, hey, I have a bathroom remodel and I want to schedule it, you know, in, in eight weeks or, or whatever. And I'm not saying that that's not important or might not have time schedules. It's just your fist, the client is fiscally going to have to start paying if you don't get it done by a certain time period, right? And so it's hard. The challenge has always been hard to like, you know, how much are we planning right now versus starting the project? And I am taking a little bit of your approach. Like I've not forgot this. I actually, um, within one of the coaching programs that I help with, I, I told someone about this. I was like, yeah, my, my buddy Brad Levitt uh, told me, you know, one time that, that they don't start a project until they have everything planned and prepared and everything set up. And I freaking, Let's go. I love that dude. Like it, it would, it would help projects so much doing that. And so right. that's something that's always stuck with me. And, and that's basically sort of what we've started implementing over the last like six months is if there's a project that has long lead time items, we either find alternates or we procure them super early I am coaching and explaining and educating my customers as much as possible right now within that commercial construction industry. The challenges you're going to have are the same things like with you. It's going to be trusses. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be equipment or kitchen equipment. Appliances, steel. Appliances. Yep. It's all that sort of stuff. You can still get plumbing parts and electrical parts and things like that. Um, you know, it depends on, I'm not doing massive projects, but like, like, 30, 40, 50, $100 million projects. We're still in the sort of the TI, small commercial ground up projects. Five day so, million is not very small commercial though. I mean, it's <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably not. But, you know, the a couple challenges we are having are, are definitely the trusses, things like that. Um, it's it's really important to track procurement. And I, I think it's almost important at any size though. I think it becomes more important now than it ever has. Um, I think it's just the level of, procurement you track like i actually have to help our subcontractors track their procurements like hey did you order your hvac units are they coming 20 weeks out or 16 weeks out right um you know and then some of the other things we're doing is is um you know alternates uh trying to find solutions and so there's a little bit of management in there there's a project right now downtown san diego that we're working on it's a three-story building and there's some items that are long lead time and, and they want to get going on it, but we're actually holding off from starting because there's no point in starting now and then having to pull off or slow down on the project. And that's for twofold. One is because it's going to cost us money. And the second of all, it's going to cost the client money if we keep doing it. And I don't need to do work if we're not being productive, you know, and I'd rather be doing productive work when we can be. And so we want that process to be as smooth as possible. So like your advice, just on that one little thing, like you don't think much about it, but <laughs> it's like, I want to put that on a freaking sign in the office and send it to clients. And so like, because we're so pressured to start jobs, like, cause right. these are business owners that want to like open their sandwich shop or they want to open their ice cream shop or they have tenants that they want to bring in. So, you know, when you're driven by money, it's different than I, it, I assume it's a little bit different than maybe what you have to deal with where you're dealing with a lot more emotional things. These are, these are like, you're living your, these are, it's like some of your stuff is artwork. Our stuff right now, even though commercial projects can't have artwork type of craftsmanship in their projects, we're still doing just like basic business stuff where people are trying to make money off of, you know, what we're creating. And, you know, there's not much emotion in it as much as there could be if, if it was at the caliber of craftsmanship, maybe that you're doing or people are living in the projects and stuff like that, you know. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. 
They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. Yeah, but either way, on either side, to your point, I mean, even now, you know, everyone should have that strategy that all the selection has to be done because the reality is if it's not selected, you're going to be the bad guy every time. So it doesn't matter what we do. The, the builder will always come out as a bad person, even if we track it and say, hey, well, I didn't get the paint color. I didn't get the stain color. Or you changed the curve jam or you know, from a standard, it doesn't matter. The thing is we're always going to be um, the one to blame because we started too early and we just, you know, to keep the customer happy, we move forward. And I have one project right now that we, we, we took over for a contractor and it's a premier project and I know the clients and I'm like kind of kicking myself in some ways. I mean, it's an amazing project, but I'm like, it doesn't, our SOPs always been, we finished all the design and architecture they did and now it's painful. Now, you know, fortunately, you know, the client had come to us, so they know this. And I sat down and said, look, that's why you brought us in. But we got some work to do here because or else, you, you know, a year from now, you might not feel the same way. So right. it's just, it's, um, and, and to your point where it's not even an education, but I find as you, as you're more confident or you've made plenty of mistakes, which I have and all of us have, that I could be more direct with the client and say, no, this is why. Because otherwise here's pain point ABC that you and I will both have. And you can just look and say, this is what we're going to do. And then they're like, okay, makes sense. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree. And that's something that we're working towards. I think just the drive for the client and the pressure the client's putting on us, they, they are just really wanting to go because there's that, that liability at the end of paying rent if we go an extra month or something like that. And so the, the procurement's definitely tough. You know, I don't know if anyone can get around that, that stuff nowadays. I just... I'm trying to get as much of a head start on it as possible. So if you have, you know, clients that are coming to you for commercial construction projects, it's like, hey, you know, let's kind of get started earlier because of all these other issues. And uh, and maybe I don't know. I don't know how it was in your business. Um, within ours, it took a little bit of a lag time for customers to catch on that we're having some of these issues. But now they're starting to understand. Hey, this is a little bit more prevalent. This is a little bit more normal. I mean, it's not normal if you're looking at like a 20 year time period, but within the last few years, this is, this is something that's definitely, um, you know, a normal item. I think, you know, there's been enough time where even our customers are going to Home Depot and buying a couple of things and they're like, <laughs> you know, maybe noticing that a two by four is $12 and not $3 anymore or drywalls 28 and not 12. So, you know, um, yeah, there's some challenges that we can't change, but we can only work on the things that we can control. So, I mean, I think the procurement and and your advice was huge, and, and that's something that we've tried to implement more in our company. But we were always like, let's go, like get the job, <laughs> start the job, and let's start building, you know. And then it, yeah. it does cause that 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 heartburn during the project, and 
And then the customer doesn't know why, you know, paint is so important to pick out. It's like, well, you know, or, you know, maybe it's something that's like low voltage, you know, your data system. And it's like, well, we already drywalled and framed and now we want to put TV outlets and stuff over here, speakers here. It's like a um, little bit of challenging to, to step back and it costs a lot of money. You know, things are expensive right now to redo. And so we don't want to do that. So planning's key. So it's interesting. So now taking that planning to, uh, to one step further, something that we're, we're doing now is, um, to be transparent. So I think most of us, right. At, at you, you have these like kind of mental clicks right in the business that, okay, I need yeah. to do this and this is going to help. So I, I knew haven't gone through it that, okay, we need to have all selections done then we can start. But then we'd still have the issue where it's like, we get the permit. Okay. We have our design book. We have our plan. Okay. Start tomorrow. Let's get out of this ground break. Let's get one out there. And I found that even then it's complex because especially at the level we're doing, if it's a big hillside or some other projects, I mean, the, the logistics with all the like pool plan meeting and contracts, like my controller and like my, my team behind the scenes are like, Brad, we, we have no time to like get the banking finalized, you know, to get the contracts, get deposits, like get these guys. And so we're still creating this. So now it's like, and it was so refreshing. And this was just like a month and a half ago to be transparent. So I was sitting down with the client and they're, okay, they're all, Brad, we're going to have the permit tomorrow. Can we start? And I said, look, we'll start in six weeks. And it was painful for me to do that because, I mean, technically we have everything finalized, but it's like, but six weeks now gives me time to get everyone scheduled, get the banking, get deposits, get it laid out so my team has a little breathing room and runway. But the reality is if I were to start today, I'd probably eat up those six weeks just in inefficiencies anyway. So if I wait six weeks, well, now the client saves a little bit because the bank isn't loan isn't going live. And then I don't have costs on the job, so it's not costing my overhead just yet. So you, you know, it's just all those things we have to understand the business aspect and then we can just guide, you know, the process better. Isn't it, isn't it so interesting? We use a term, um, uh, head trash, you know, you have head trash around like wanting to like, not wanting to say something like that. Like you, like you were saying, like all, all the way up to like a month and a half ago, you were concerned about like waiting six weeks or what the customer might think or wanting, you know, wanting to put that out there in the world. And, you know, having that conversation and maybe it's a difficult conversation, but in reality, it's, it's like, if you practice the conversation and you get better at it, you know, like when I said a hundred million dollars the first time, I was like a hundred million dollars, <laughs> you know, like I was kind of embarrassed to say it, but now like, you know, we'll embroider it on our shirts, you know? And so, Oh, nice. You got the hundred. That's yeah. Awesome. I got hundred. Um, but, but my point is, is like, it's interesting that as entrepreneurs and even as leaders, you like, we have head trash about all sorts of stuff and it takes, it takes work and experience and those conversations and role plays to get through that where it's going to be common. And in a year from now, like that conversation will be super easy. You'll actually probably vanguard it earlier on in the project, you know, through the sales process and stuff to set it up. So it's even an easier conversation. And, um, I explain that because I want, you know, if there's contractors listening or other business owners that are, you know, that have that apprehension about educating their clients and discussing why it would be better um, to do some of the things that you want to do is um, everyone's having those things. We all have sort of that head trash around wanting to like, you know, start doing that and, and putting some stuff like that in place sometimes. Well, here's what I love about that, Sonny. And as you're speaking and sharing that, the counsel that you're giving is it, so many of us struggle with vetting clients, right? And, and we haven't perfected it. I feel we're a lot better today than in the past, but what I found is that when a client's coming in and that client, if you, as you're vetting the client here, you're going through the process, the pre-construction process, you know, the PSA or, you know, service agreement. Um, it, it, if you're directing to them, here's how we do it. Here, here's the right channel. We bring a designer, we bring an architect, you know, this is the time frame. We get these selections done. This is when we price it. We price it one time at this point, because it's going to give you the best value and pricing and not create more work for everybody. And, and anyway, as you go through this and the client's very, Okay, I get it, Sonny. You're educating me. I understand it. You know, you're confident. There's a reason you're successful in your business. Most clients, like if they're at that point already, they're going to be great to work with because they, yep. they trust you and it's a relationship. And the ones that are just like, I don't care, Sonny. I, I built, you know, this before. Like you need to get it done. Get guys out there. Like you already know, like this is going to be a horrible experience. And so it's just, it's another way to vet your client is that by education through the process and as we understand the process ourselves and now they get it, you know, it, it just becomes a lot more collaborative environment. Well, and if a customer, 
if a customer will will go through that process, so like you're 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 describing the qualification process, right? So if you're vanguarding these things, talking about them up front, and working through that process up front, then you know that they're going to be better to work with later, right? You're you're making sure that that person is you. You'll pull out all the red flags if they're really pushy about certain stuff or um, they're not willing to to do these items. But what's nice about having a process is, and hopefully you know, customers that, that are out there and, and are working with contractors who do have processes, they, they should understand that that actually benefits them because for so long contractors didn't have any processes or procedures and the clients had it, the clients had to take that into, you know, their responsibility. That's why clients still think that they have to go get five bids and, you know, and they, they have these weird conceptions about, you know, the process and it, it makes it harder for contractors to actually do a good job for them because we don't have, we don't have the ability to do negotiation and scope development and work through all these issues when it's just, Hey, you know, how, how much is, you know, this going to cost and, and that's all they want. Or can you just come out to my house and look at it? Can you just come out to my property and give me a price? You know, it's like, well, no, it's like we have a process and we've developed and this benefits you. Right. And so, you know, for one contractors, if you can put some sort of process in place, like work through your process and sometimes you're going to have clients that won't, that won't, but that opens you up so that you can have clients and you can do a better job for the ones that you do have. Um, and then on the, on the opposite end, if, if you're a client listening to this, like if you're working with a contractor that has, you know, as much set up as like Brad, like that's your light years ahead of, of other contractors that, that aren't, and you're going to have a much smoother process and, um, you know, working through everything and, um, you know, headaches are, headaches are expensive <laughs> yeah, they are. and so is time, right? So time and headaches are expensive. If you can be, if you can plan and procure and, and implement and execute at a higher level because you're, you got everything in place, I think it's huge. So, so what are you doing? If you don't mind me asking, you know, system wise now, like without going all the little specifics, is there a certain type of software, you know, training, how are you training your team? You know, what, what does that look like for you, you know, at Panero? So we've been pretty progressive when it comes to like software. So we use Procore as, as one Procore. of our main, mm-hmm. yeah, one of our main uh, systems. We, you know, we tried to, we started out with like builder trend, but it wasn't really suited towards commercial construction. Um, so, so, you know, we use, we utilize the tools. We try to get all of our team um, trained on that. We actually do like superintendents for us are our main employees, right? When I say main employees, like that's the position group we have the most of. And so we spent a lot of time on training them. And so we make sure they have all their certs and, and that sort of stuff. Um, one of the things I, I picked up from um, someone a couple of years ago was, was doing quick videos. And so, and and then I actually heard, I did a training video within the contractor fight the other day, and I was talking about you know how Albert Einstein's um, his witticism was um, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, right. right? And so much in our business, we can do things over and over, and we still keep you know having the same issues. You know, wrong thing was ordered because we didn't do the submittals right, or we you know started the job too early and we had the same experience of not being ready, and so. You know, um, I'm trying not to duplicate these these issues that we have, and I want to better them. And so, someone someone else coined the term "headache journal." So they actually have a list of things that are causing headaches in their business. And if anything happens more than one or two or three times, and that's something that they attack and create a process for. And so, I found myself for the last six years doing that. And so, what I'm trying to do is record, you know, short two to five minute videos on on items. And being able to get the information out there, and I'm trying to start uh, collaborating with our own superintendent team. So we created our own uh, communication portal where, if someone has something come up, they share it with the team. And so it's not a one-on-one learning experience. It's actually like the whole team is learning that, and so that collective wisdom grows. And so I'm not saying I perfected this by any means. This is just something I'm actively doing, and so I'm kind of like talking through it with you right now that that I'm starting to do those videos, putting them into OneDrive, which is, you can use Google or whatever. It's just the videos and we name them what they are. And my goal is is like, if a super is having an issue, it's like, okay, well, did you check the training portal or the best practice portal? And you know, this even goes into like how to build things. Like if someone doesn't know how to build things, 
this goes back earlier in our conversation where we're bringing in people from outside the industry. So if you can have construction training videos of like how something works or what the process is for concrete or um, like we just started doing ground ups just a few years ago. Like I was strictly TIs. And so there was this huge head trash around doing ground, you know, ground up projects. Cause I didn't know anything about doing grading, like all the stuff you're doing in Arizona where you're blowing up rocks and like tearing <laughs> down hillsides and stuff yeah. is nuts. But now we know that, but if, if just me and that one super were doing that and I didn't record the videos and talk about it, then how are my other superintendents going to do it? I'd have to go help them again, the same way I helped this superintendent learn that. And so that's just something quick that almost any business owner could be. You could be running a accounting office or a sandwich shop or um, mortgage guy or whoever, and you can just do training videos, you know, and it's just easy. It's like opening your phone up and just recording a quick, you'd be surprised on how fast, you know, one or two minute video is. And the first couple might like, you might be intimidated by looking at yourself in the camera, you know, and that was part of like what Clubhouse was. When I first started doing Clubhouse calls, I was scared to death, but you know, after a little bit of doing them, I was running calls with hundreds of people on them, you know? Yeah. So and, same and thing with the videos, I guess. So this is, I've never, I've, you know, truth be told, what are you like 145th guess or something? I've never heard anyone speak about doing some sort of training portal with videos. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard that anywhere. It's amazing. Dude, I mean, this is one yeah, minute this, videos on stuff or two minute videos or whatever, like do. So I just signed up for loom. I was like, okay, loom's amazing. I have clients who use it. Like it's awesome. Okay. So I'm using Loom for a couple different reasons. One is to like review proposals and send them out to people and talk about the proposal. But I'm yeah. also wanting to now, I'm starting to put together like a Google slide and I'll just talk through it. And so like if I'm going to teach something, so I used to just talk into my cell phone. I used to just open my cell phone, you know, grab it, do a quick two minute video and I would save it or I'd share it with, with everyone. So we're trying to have, we're trying to increase the collective wisdom. And so it doesn't have to be complicated, you know, just kind of create a database. Otherwise we're just read, we're like, we're just reteaching over and over and over again, I guess it's like duplicate. Like I'm just trying to duplicate and multiply what we've done in the past. So, well, well, as you mentioned, the only way to expand, I mean, you have to refine that process. You have to have, to have scalability. You have to have processes. You have to have protocol. Cause yeah, if you're just trying to educate yourself and every person, you're never going to get to where you want to be. Going back to the videos though, I mean, do you recommend, is this, um, is this a journal of, Hey, here's mistakes we made or oversights we made that cost the company money we need to fix. Is it, here's a step-by-step process. I mean, it, is there a rhyme or reason or how are you organizing just, you know, where these videos go this so in the future, people can actually find them if they're looking for it. Well, so like I use a process called lessons learned after we're done with projects. And what I was finding is if we did the lessons learned at the end of the job, it was hard to get everyone together. It was hard to remember all of the things that we had an issue with. And so I'm trying to attack things when things happen, like when it's, when it's an issue, if it's came up before and it continues to be an issue, then, um, you know, like I said, like a couple minutes ago, I got the name from someone else called uh, headache journal and it's just literally a list or on your notepad, or maybe you do a, a, a notes on your phone and, you know, just start typing things in and then create some videos on that and then save them to your, your file show, you know, your SharePoints. We have an intranet, so we use SharePoint and we just have one that everyone's connected to as a business. That's fairly normal. I think even Google drive can do the same sort of stuff. Um, and we just title it, you know, whatever, like <laughs> my team ordered like five sets of doors for one project. <laughs> okay. And I don't know why, I don't know why it happened, but that was a topic that then I got on and did a video real quick on, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to redo it with Loom. So now I can actually have a visual of like, you know, door swings and stuff like that. We were having an issue because it was, uh, the threshold size and the type of door frame didn't work with the stud and the stucco and then drywall inside. And it was just like, I just had to like sort of coach on what how to figure out rough opening sizes, you know, what does the throat size mean? Um, just a couple things like that so that they can pay attention to it or they can like, if they're ordering doors, they can pull that video up, watch two minutes real quick. Yeah. These are like not general stuff. Like this is things that like you learn from being a contractor. I'm just trying to, you know, 
share and spread the knowledge that that happens in the field. And so once I do it enough, I'm going to try to get some of my team to do it as well. If they're on a job, I want them to quickly record a video and be like, hey, you know, um, we just ran into it now. They're starting to they're starting to require this inside our spaces. Whenever you're doing your main sewer line, do a sand bed. Now it's came up like on three project. It's like, hey, guys, you know, now when we're doing our underground plumbing, we're just going to shave the trees. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to do a sand bed for everything. We're a lot of our jobs were not a big deal to do that. And that right. might be a normal process in, in most jobs. But we just put native soil back normally. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, well, we're doing sand beds for these types of installations on these types of projects because it's came up like in two or three jurisdictions, you know. Um, so those are just sort of best practice videos. We call them best practice videos whenever we talk about that sort of stuff. Um, but we've I've done some videos on how to get into Procore, how to create a daily log, how to create, you know, how to use some of the stuff, the purpose of, you know, emails and quieting your your email inbox and you know things like that so so you mentioned also earlier you know now you have the capability to do this but past you were kind of all over southern california every state you're licensed in what does that look like now are you are you focused primarily still in california have you expanded the business do you have plans to um you know it was easier to do it when i was traveling so when I was moving around and, and traveling and going to those other projects, it was a little bit easier to do it than I, it is now. Um, we're, we have licenses. I have an inactive license in like in Arizona and, and a couple other places, but we, but there's reciprocity in a bunch of those anyways, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty simple to get set up, but I do have licenses up and down the West coast. So a lot of our clients are still multi-unit projects. And so that's the type I like. Instead of doing one-off custom projects, which we have been doing a few of those recently, um, but the clients are still developers where they have multiple projects. So it's still like a multiple project type of client. And that's kind of what I'm a fan of. I'm I'm a fan of selling a, selling a client once and then earning the right just to keep building projects for them. And so a lot of our customers, like we just did Spanga Fitness Facility up in Los Gatos. The first one was in Pasadena. Now we're in the Woodland Hills. And, um, you know, those are smaller commercial projects, but it's, you kind of get in a rhythm, you kind of get used to doing them. Um, at least on the commercial side that you kind of have a little bit of a, that's kind of nice to be able to get into if you're repeating, you know, customers and project types and doing some franchise work and multi-unit concepts. So, um, so yeah, so no, we're, we're trying to stay closer to LA, you know, as I've got older, I also understand the value of my own time and, Oh, you know, yeah. even driving to LA, it's like, okay, do we it's want to do brutal. any more work in LA from where we are now? Because the traffic, you know, it was three hours to get home last night. And so, oh. yeah. And so it'll probably be something where we, um, I'm going to be working on some business development. That business development will be sort of like 60 minutes around our office. And then everything else will be like, as it comes in, but I'll eventually have, have to have a couple offices here in Southern California just because I want quality of life for my employees, you know, and travel and driving to the job site. And, and what's cool about construction is the guys are just used to it. They're like, go where the work is, right? Like that's the, the model for so long. But I'm trying to make sure that any um, quality of life things that I get, my, my employees are also receiving quality of life upgrades. You know, it's like, okay, my, I'm doing, trying to get more work locally so that they don't have those long commutes they get to get home to their wife and kids a little bit better. So, um, you know, I have a responsibility to, to, to myself to do these things. And I also want to coach and make sure that the employees are, are experiencing the same sort of stuff. So business development, you mentioned that, you know, from that aspect, especially being the GC, it's not like, um, you know, for subcontracts, they go to the GC, they get work. I mean, how are you finding your, your job leads, lead generation, you know, how's the company expanded that role? You know, honestly, a lot of it is referral work um, that's helped us get to where we are now. A lot of the business development is done through influencers. And so I use the word influencers like anyone who has the same type of clientele I have. So that's other business owners that's that that have B2B type businesses. Let's call them commercial real estate agents. That's architects. Um, that's interior designers. Um, it's, you know, for us, if we're doing multi-unit type projects, we're going to reach out to the corporate office 
And then they're going to refer us potentially if we can do a good job. And, and, you know, the business development side is, is outreach, right? And so, you know, property developers, project, project management companies, CM companies, there's, there's a lot of people who have the same clientele we have kitchen equipment companies. So if there's a, a restaurant, a kitchen equipment company, you know, they're going to, you know, we want to build relationships with those. So I've been careful not to be like the full design build. I like the concept because it keeps our pipeline bigger. You know, we know that there's projects out there because we just started design and we kind of playing team captain with the architect and stuff. But um, I still refer a lot of work to, to architects, engineers, and I try to find the right fit. You know, maybe it's, you know, area that they are in or the type of work that they do. And, you know, maybe one architect's, you know, more an office type person. So we'll feed them a couple leads and we get a couple leads back. And um, so I, it's the influencer network. It's it's being out there. I've never been a big fan of like Chamber of Commerce and, you know, those right. types of events because it's just like, I don't know, I get more security and you know, uh, people trying to sell me security and, uh, telephone services or something, you know, versus, um, you know, real sort of business development, um, you know, service out there. So it's picking up the phone, calling, um, it's, it's, uh, giving other people opportunities, you know, and it, it just compounds over time. And so, um, you know, that, that would be the best place to start. So, I mean, Sonny, it's amazing. I, I feel like I've been speaking to you for like seven minutes and I think we're like 57. It's crazy. And, and so we're going we're gonna to bring you off around too because I have about 47 questions for you still, you know, along that seven number. But, you know, what do you do for fun? I know you post some videos out there. I've seen you working out, you know, 75 hard and you're super active. So, you know, how does life look outside of Panera Construction and, you know, the growth you've had? It's It's become more and more important for me, right? And so that's part of one you know, that's me playing the long game. Like I mentioned with build design, my company is I'm trying to make decisions that allow me to have the lifestyle I want. And and that also includes looking out for like, you know, my employees too. If, if I'm not working weekends, I can't expect them to, you know, and that's sort of the thought process there. But, um, you know, one thing I sacrificed is, and I don't have any vices, you know, I don't chew or drink or I don't do it. You know, I, there's nothing that I do. I don't gamble, you know? And so, uh, it's eating for me. It's <laughs> hey, food's good. We all love food. So, <laughs> well, that's the problem. It's 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 mandatory, right? It's mandatory. Yeah. But I like I like it more than mandatory. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, like I've got, dude, I got so that's one area of my life that I am not a a person that can give any advice on for fitness and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I'm doing 75 hard. I love it. Anyone who wants to look into it, it's cool. I've lost. 25 pounds so far in like, Amazing. yeah, doing two rounds of it. I didn't finish the first round. The The point of 75 hard is it, it was designed by Andy Frasilla. He's the owner of first form. He's, he's amazing. He has a great podcast also. I don't know if you've listened to it. It's, he's not for everyone for sure. You know, so you have to have a certain type of uh, mentality to listen to it, but he created this program. It's all about mental toughness. And it's, it's all about saying, okay, I'm going to do these five things every single day, no matter what. And and that's something that drove me to the program and, and I wanted to get more disciplined in what I do and I want to help, you know, get better in the other areas of my life. And so I work out twice a day right now. I've been doing it for 34 days straight. I did a lot. I did I did it for 111 days last year. Um, obviously, being an entrepreneur or business owner, it's kind of hard to fit two workouts in a day. But yeah, so I work out, um, you know, for fun, though, like my goal is to go out of town once a, once a month. I haven't done it yet but I'm working on that. My last, my last fun trip was over where you're at Lake Powell. So I went to Lake Powell. We brought the razors out. We went up and, and four bite on the backside of Horseshoe Bend, um, on the Grand Canyon up there, went out on the boat. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I feel so connected when I'm in business with my phone and Instagram and all that sort of stuff that I want to get out of town. I want to disconnect. And it, it's so rejuvenating just being out on the lake and not having any phone service or being up in the mountains and, you know, having a fire and just letting the kids play. And like, that's, that's huge. So, you know, nowadays well, it's, it's so hard to disconnect. And it's hard, but it just shows the success you've had. I mean, for you to be able to sit here and say, Hey, I have the opportunity where I can go ride the razors and be off the grid and not be by my phone. I mean, to, to me, that's huge success, not just the opportunity to do that, but it's, you can leave a business behind and you have people 
that you trust that are empowered that have you know just the the mental fortitude and understand your culture what you're bringing that, that you can leave it behind because that's pretty rare as a business owner well and that's and that's that's the result of playing long game like i knew that i wanted someone doing my books i know i wanted someone doing my coordination i know i wanted someone to do my pm work i i know i wanted someone to do sales and so that um the success of the company is not about me anymore the success of my company is solely about my employees and how well i lead them and so it's um those things in in life being able to go take your kid to horse riding lessons on a thursday afternoon and um you know just stuff like that is is like it's invaluable and so if you if you build your company or build your business or you build your lifestyle in a way that that you are planning for doing those things then you're going to get there you know if you keep pushing them off and you're just in the the you know the rat race or the hamster wheel you're just going to keep doing that and so i was just trying to make and and I might be a little bit special when it comes to this because I failed so bad on my first business that my second time was like redemption. Like, okay, everything I do this time is going to be like long-term, sustainable, scalable. And so I might be going a little bit overkill, but that's really how I approached it is like, okay, well, if I want to be a hundred million dollar business, what does that look like? If I want to have these things in my life, if I want to go on vacation once a month, what do I have to be able to, to design my business around? Who do I need to be able to handle stuff? And like all of those things come to play. So strategically, that's that's the decision I made. And, and I have to stick to those, you know, anything that's outside of those decisions. If I go if I go buy a sports car today, that's not part of my plan. You know, like spending that money on a car is not part of my plan. My part of my plan is having a paid off house and uh, a second house in the in, you know, the desert or the mountains and being able to go out of town regularly and be 100 pounds lighter than I am. So like those are the <laughs> I have to focus on, you know? I love it. Well, for everyone listening, you can see why I connect with Sunny all the time on Clubhouse. Like anytime you're hosting or like I just had to get on, you have a wealth of information, amazing personality, and you're so good at communicating that. So with yeah, that said, Sunny, our, our listeners need to follow this amazing journey. That hundred that's on your sleeve, getting a hundred million, where can they find you? So you can just find me at, uh, you know, Sonny Panero on Instagram or Facebook. Our company is Panero Construction. So just Panero.com. Um, yeah, you know. And there's an H I'm, on there, P-I-N-H-E-R-O. Yeah, Pinhero. Uh, yeah, but, Pinhero. Yeah, Panero. yeah. Well, you've been amazing, Sonny. I can't thank you enough. We'll reconnect it. for sure and uh, appreciate making time. Dude, it's awesome being on here. I've looked up to you a long time. Like the projects you guys are doing are fantastic. And so, yeah, we need to do it more often for sure. Feelings mutual. Thanks, Sonny. Thanks, brother. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.